Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America. Happy Wednesday. What a big news day. We have so many important things going on. Some of them scary. Listen, this morning, uh, the announce of an arrest of a man outside of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home had weaponry with him, apparently had made prior threats against the justice. A real concern about all that heated rhetoric that has flown from that leaked draft Supreme Court ruling on abortion. It actually can raise real concerns about security today. A real life example of that. And it's not that far removed when we saw a horrible attack in the summer of 17 on members of Congress playing their baseball game, getting shot by a deranged gunman who also had been heated up by the uh, the rhetoric in America. Uh, two very important stories that are breaking today that we are keeping a close eye on for you, and we will keep you posted if there's any new developments in that Kavanaugh case. There is uh, all across the country important news, but I want to stay focused on what is just about 30 hours away, a primetime television presentation by House Democrats on the January 6th commission. Remember, a committee is not a normal congressional committee. Republicans were denied the right to have a ranking member in their choose choice of lawmakers. And so it's not constitutional. It's not constituted in a way that the rules of Congress gives it legitimacy, but it's been investigating January 6th, and I've been honest, I think there are important issues to investigate around January 6th, much less in trying to assign blame for the people who did the stupid things. They did stupid things. They're responsible for their own conduct. Um, And and the Democrats are going to try to make this argument again. Somehow Donald Trump uh, caused that violence. He instigated that violence. And here is... Uh, and he intended to do so. That's the argument that you hear Democrats making. Adam Schiff was added again yesterday. There's a major conundrum for Democrats trying to sell that story. And that is, if Donald Trump was trying to foment violence at the Capitol, why did two days before it, he authorized 20,000 National Guard units to be on there to put down any violence, to prevent any violence? Who would set a mass army to stop what he was allegedly putting into motion? That's a question that the Democrats have failed to answer. And much like Russia collusion, I think, and by the way, it's the same players uh, on Russia collusion here. You see Adam Schiff, you see um, Jamie Raskin. It's the same group that tried to sell you Russia collusion. They're now trying to sell a much larger conspiracy about January 6th than actually happened. Listen, January 6th is not hard to figure out. A bunch of people lost control of themselves. They did bad things. They hit police officers, which I condemn in every instance. I condemned it when it occurred in the summer of 2020. Democrats weren't condemning it. I condemn it at the Capitol. Uh, My family, my brother, my father were law enforcement officers between them more than 70 years in the service of their communities. You don't hit a cop. You don't smash personal property. You don't invade the United States government buildings because you're mad, you're angry. It doesn't matter. You don't do it. But that's what happened. Listen, people got out of control. They're responsible for their own behavior, just like the, those who threw cut Molotov cocktails into 
police cars are responsible for their own behavior. But there is another element of this that I believe is important to investigate. I would applaud Democrats if they investigated this because it is one of the most important uh, issues of our time. And, and I, here's what it is. The United States Capitol has a police force. It gets more than a half billion dollars a year. In fact, this year it'll be about 600 million. It is well-funded because it only has to protect about a one-mile swath of Washington, D.C. Uh, but the U.S. Capitol has long been a symbol of freedom in the world. It is a large terrorist target. Those who wish to impose tyranny would love to strike the Capitol. Some believe the Capitol was the ultimate target of the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania on 9-11-2001. But we, we fund a large police force. And somehow that police force got overrun by a group of people that were a bunch of yahoos. Um, uh, if it had been trained terrorists or, or uh, foreign national people uh, with training, military training, the, the carnage could have been enormously worse because our security was bad. That is a legitimate thing to investigate. Just like it was legitimate to investigate how the FBI and CIA failed to connect the dots before 9-11. Had it all laying in front of them and they dropped the ball. But that's not what we're going to hear tomorrow night. But we did something for you yesterday. We were able to get a copy of the after-action report that the U.S. Capitol Police did on itself. Not the ones that have been conducted by political bodies in the Senate, in the House. Not the one done by the Capitol Police Inspector General that, uh, quite frankly, I think missed a lot of important facts. This was done by the commanders and the men and women of the Capitol Police Department. They did it so that they would be better so that they would be able to learn from what was a really, really significant series of mistakes. I mean, really, really significant mistakes. The report found 53 serious lapses in security protocol. Uh, some things are simple, like the doors to the House and Senate chambers didn't lock properly. That's a real problem. We know we need to protect that chamber. Uh, an elevator that led to a sensitive floor the fourth floor, where a lot of intelligence and armed services um, uh, sensitive materials are, the elevator was left unsecure. People could go right up the elevator and get in to one of the most secure parts of the Capitol. Not very secure, but it should have been. Um, there were easily long delays by the riot units. They call them the civil disturbance units. They didn't get to places quickly. They And why? This is going to shock you when you hear this. They didn't have equipment. Equipment was locked in a bus. They couldn't get it out of the bus because nobody had a key. Delayed the people who most likely could have de-escalated the violence as it was building. The cops couldn't talk to each other through their radios. They were on different tacks. They, uh, their masks, their gas masks didn't allow them to communicate. had to take your gas mask off to communicate. That's not a safe scenario. Um, the intelligence that was given to some in leadership at the Capitol Police Department, at the deputies level most likely, uh, from the FBI that was specific, that there might be an invasion of the Capitol, that there might be a targeting of lawmakers. Well, that wasn't put into the operational plan given to the frontline commanders and officers. In fact, the bottom line up front summary didn't even mention the fact that there was urgent intelligence suggesting that there was a plan to overtake the Capitol and target members, lawmakers. That wasn't even conveyed to the people. As a result, all of the operational planning that flowed was uninformed that there was this level of a threat. Here's another one. Apparently, they closed down or shuttered or uh, took out an operation. It's open source, the Capitol Police Force's open source intelligence unit. Very strongly worded. Said this directly contributed, may, may directly contributed to the tragedy. Open source means social media. If you're trying to monitor the potential threat of violence from political tumult, Social media is one of the most important places. The list of these 53 blunders are many. They're serious. We had uh, Bernie Carrick assemble and listen and look at this report and give his assessment. He's the former NYPD commissioner. He was there in charge of the NYPD on that faithful day of 9-11-2001. He's considered one of the best security experts in the country, one of the best police commanders in the country. He reviewed this, you know, we're gonna listen to him in a second. We're gonna, uh, we had him on the TV show last night. He's gonna give you his assessment of just how bad the very important Capitol Police Department performed on this day. These are the issues that the January 6th Commission could be looking at for your benefit, my benefit, the safety of Washington, the safety of future lawmakers, the safety of the great symbol of democracy and home of democracy, 
uh, the United States Capitol, but they're not going to do that tomorrow night. That's why we gave you exclusively this report. You can download it in the dig-in section, the headline of the story. Internal Capitol Police Review found sweeping intelligence security failures on Nancy Pelosi's watch. Check it out. Read the full document. Read our story. In a few seconds, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then after that, Bernie Carrick's going to come up first. We're going to play that interview we had on Just the News, Not Noise with Amanda Head and I last night. And then John Zadrozny, uh, former immigration homeland security advisor to President Trump in the White House, uh, now a key lawyer at the America First Legal Group. They are doing some important stuff in the border. We're going to talk about the border, that caravan, all the things you've been reading day in and day out on justthenews.com. Two great guests. You're going to learn a lot today. You're going to be shocked when you hear what Bernie Carrick said about the state of security and intelligence, the leadership failures that are evident in this report uh, about the Capitol Police. We're going to check that out. And then, of course, we're going to hear from John Zadrosny and take you down to that border. Lots to learn there. Two great guests back-to-back right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back, everybody. Joining us now, the former NYPD Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick, one of the great law enforcement officials in our history. Bernie, great to have you on the show today. Thanks, John. So earlier in the show, we gave folks a little taste of this new report, this after-action report that the Capitol Police did a year ago. We haven't seen it because Nancy Pelosi's team doesn't want us to see it. Uh, there's an extraordinary moment where uh, the they talk explicitly that they couldn't get their riot units to the scene in time. They were delayed because their equipment was locked in a bus and nobody had the key. And also, they had redeployed some of the riot units to do other perfunctory work uh, you ran a police department that kept its riot units going. How big a flub is this? Well, it's not only a big uh, flub, John. It's it's a lack of leadership. Um, it's a lack of preparedness. It's, um, you know, this is an event um, this day they were looking at for a week or two prior. Um, you mean to tell me that nobody, nobody made any preemptive plans on how they were gonna deal with any protest, any crowd, um, any large gathering around the Capitol, um, you know, for their their quick reaction force, if you will, to be doing other duties on that day. That's crazy. That's great. This is all about leadership. This is about a lack of leadership. Um, and, and I think there's other things in the report that when other people look at it, uh, they're gonna say the same thing. 
Right. Bernie, is it also a funding issue? Because we, I'm here in Los Angeles and police departments across the country are dealing with defunding issues. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Is it also a funding issue? Well, it could be. I don't know the exact numbers of the Capitol Police, but I do know that those numbers were, were cut. Um, you know, you have staffing, you have resources, you have training. When that stuff happens, um, there's, uh, there's problems. You know, uh, this is this is a circumstance happening not not only with the Capitol Police, but in every major city around the country that is run by Democrats. So, um, you know, this is something that's going to have to be looked at. And if they take the House and Senate um, in 2022, um, the speaker, uh, whoever the speaker is going to be in 2022, going into 2023, they're going to have to take a look at the Capitol Police from the inside and out and make sure that it's completely revamped because as it stands right now, um, they were, there was an inadequate response. There was inadequate control of the outside of the Capitol. I physically watched a number of cops letting people into the Capitol. And then you have the same organization prosecuting those people that they let in. Um, you know, somebody's got to look at this and it's going to be up to the next administration the next house uh is going to have to do that yeah and you when you were the head of the nypd you built one of the world's envied uh intelligence departments the nypd intelligence units are some of the best anywhere in this world this report cites some stunning gaps in intelligence with capitol police one of them is that the leadership of the capitol police got these warnings from the fbi that there might be violence but they never filtered that down to the uh, operational plan that the officers and the commanders would have. And two, just a short while before uh, January 6th, they closed down the open source intelligence unit that would monitor social media. How bad were those two decisions? John, that in itself is stunning. That is stunning. I can't believe it. Uh, bottom line is there's nothing more important than intelligence, nothing. We learned in the aftermath of 9-11 there's nothing more important than intelligence. We can determine what's going on, when it's going to happen, who's going to do it. In this case, not only did the FBI warn, but other law enforcement agencies, including the NYPD, warned them that there were things, there were chatter, there were things on social media that they should be looking at. How that doesn't get down to the rank and file, I don't know. But that's a major, major fiasco. Yeah, it is unbelievable. And I've been talking to a lot of the Capitol Police officers and commanders over the last few weeks, and they have known this for two years or a year and a half, and they're frustrated that the leadership of their department won't let these secrets out. I want to take you to another finding that came up in the report. It's really pretty remarkable. Uh, the Capitol has been known to be a number one target of terrorists and others, at least since 9-11. A lot of people believe that fourth plane was headed there. But whatever the case is, on, on, on January 6th, there's an elevator that leads to the very sensitive fourth floor of the Capitol where some of the more sensitive committees work uh, and where they store sensitive information. And there are doors to the Senate. The doors didn't lock to the Senate. The elevator had no security. Strangers could get on it and get up to the fourth floor. That's just basic physical security. What do you make of that? Well, there's the problem, John. That's basic. This, this, isn't, this isn't, isn't advanced stuff. This is basic everyday security that should have been going on, whether there was a, a protest outside or not. This is basic stuff, and they couldn't get that right, which is, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, training, resources, staffing. You know what? If you're, you're screwing that up, well, then you, you're damn sure you're going to have problems with your quick reaction force, with your intelligence, with your other things that is mentioned in that report. But some of the basic fundamentals of everyday security for the Capitol, they didn't have that right. There's a major problem. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I'm gonna ask you one more real quickly because it just uh, jumped out at me when we were there. Uh, we, You've been before the January 6th commission. Uh, there were allegedly a Senate investigation, a House investigation looked at this. When you were at the committee, did they have any interest in physical security or trying to address the security failures that happened that day? No, I, I wasn't asked uh, one thing about, uh, you know, anything regarding capital security other than the inference that uh, police were attacked. Um, I really tried to focus on Ashley Babbitt, 
the murder of Ashley Babbitt, the justification for the shooting of Ashley Babbitt. They didn't want to hear it. It's crazy. It's true. Uh, Bernie, just an amazing one last thing. We got about 30 seconds left. Uh, when you read the whole report, if you were to come in as the chief of Capitol Police, where do you start rebuilding this department from what you saw in that report? We got about 30 seconds left. You start at the top and you start at the bottom. Training at the bottom, resources and staffing, but the entire leadership has to go. For the fundamentals of basic security not to be not to be met, the minimum standards, if you will, of basic security not to be met on an everyday level, the entire executive staff's got to go and you got to revamp the agency. That's what the new speaker is going to have to look at. Yeah, so very important. Uh, Commissioner Carrick, it's always an honor to have you on your show. A lot of straight talk always. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Excited to have this next guest on, one of the true homeland security immigration experts in this country, was an advisor to President Trump. Today, he works at the America First law firm, doing a lot of great work there. John Zadrozny is back on with us. John, great to have you on. Hey, John, thanks for having me on again. Good to, good to talk to you. It is a blast to have you on. There are so many things uh, to be talking about. And let's start with our border, because... The video footage shows a mass of humanity, a caravan, 10,000 going towards 18,000, according to projections, approaching our border, uh, the latest in a series of crises on the open border that Joe Biden gave us. Uh, your thoughts about what happens when that caravan hits our, our border? Yeah, well, John, it's, it's really interesting to me. I saw some interviews uh, that were associated with people in this caravan, yeah. uh, which at latest, last I saw was up to about 15,000. They're anticipating it growing, like you said, up to 18,000. And all of the people in this caravan that they've interviewed, including some where they had to translate from Spanish, but if you spoke English, right. said, uh, we're holding Joe, Pro Joe Biden to his promise to let us sit. And so I, it cracks me up when the administration says they have no idea why this is happening. You know, you remember that those iconic photos from earlier in 2021 of course. they all had biden joe biden let us in shirts on <laughs> yeah probably bought by george soros probably were yeah um, right yeah 
they're all they're all coming because they are hearing the message of being able to be let in. And what's going to happen is it's just going to be another another wave of part of the problem. The thing that's interesting though is people are talking about this as if this is some sort of huge catastrophic movement. It's it's bad, but it's part of the bigger pattern, right? We're already right. at a position where it's one and a half to two million, depending on who you're listening to. Um, even the administration itself has admitted, post a court order to reinforce the migrant protection protocols, they have still let in a million plus people at this point. And that's not including the unaccompanied alien children that they let in and house somewhere before they go off to become MS-13 members. Uh, but then it's also including the gotaways and the people we never see in the first place. So um, that, that number, by the way, let's say it does hit 18,000. John, it's worth pointing out that the administration has projected in its own numbers that if they were to pull down Title 42, that their daily border encounters will be in the vicinity of 18,000. Now, that's put that in perspective. Everyone sees this caravan as some sort of catastrophic figure. That'll be one day post-Title 42. Amazing. Jaw-dropping to think of, of the legacy we're building, not, not only the current security situation, but the legacy that we're building here. There is little that Republicans are going to be able to do right now. Obviously, the AGs are going to court. They're winning regularly, but the wins don't seem to result in Joe Biden actually complying with the rulings. Title 42 is allegedly still in place, but the exemptions are so many now that people are coming through unabated. The getaways are getting larger in number because more and more Border Patrol uh, agents are being taken from the getaway zones to the, the processing and uh, care zones. And so what is the strategy for a, a good conservative, if they're in Congress or for the states, if you're a governor, to mitigate the next eight months until Republicans can get back in control of Congress and use the power of the purse to shut this down? Well, that's a good question, John. It's, it's, it depends. So, for example, the states have a substantial amount of things they can do. Um, you saw what happened in Arizona. The attorney general there, Mark Burnovich, was right. the one who issued the legal opinion saying that the states have the authority to repel invasion. Uh, it was noteworthy because a lot of people have talked about this, this subject and this authority for years, but he was the first state AG to ever put that in writing. Right. And uh, I know that's kind of a hot-button item in the governor's race there now, uh, so we'll see what happens in terms of the future governor of Arizona, whether he or she will be willing to do that, uh, because that's key. States, though, whether or not you're on the border or not, you have that authority. They have tons of other authorities to shut down the pull factors, basically the things that draw illegal aliens to the United States. Um, most of these illegal aliens are not coming here because of asylum. This is just a reality. They don't match the statutory requirements for asylum. Right. But they want to make money, and they're poor, and I get that. It, it, life sucks in some of these countries. Um, but they think it's going to be easy, and they get a lot of goodies from these states. Well, turn off the goodies. Uh, and the states have these authorities. I think there are some things they can clearly do. There are some things that require a little bit of a little bit of gumption. Like, for example, uh, there have been some court decisions over the years saying states can't restrict this and they can't restrict that. But some of those decisions are 30 years old. The courts um, are changed now. Uh, these states need to step up and take a second pass the same way the left does whenever it files litigation. Uh, federally, I think the Republicans just need to stand firm. I think this is obviously a big problem for the Republican Party. It tends to be a pretty weak party, even though it's our party. Um, but um, what I've noticed is that it it, what, I'm, what I'm worried about, John, honestly, is that there's going to be some sort of drift toward this perennial desire for compromise on immigration with Democrats. And right. the answer to that is there can be no compromise. This shall not pass. The only thing that the Republicans in Congress now and later, by the way, can do is say, look, if you think you're going to come here illegally, that's fine. We would encourage you not to. Uh, but there will be no benefit for you. There will be no citizenship for you. There will be no money for you. There will be no financial benefit for you, and you will eventually go home. It may take us 10 years, but you're not going to get the accoutrements of being here legally. Uh, we're going to see to it. And they just have to put their foot down. That's harder than, you know, easier said than done, John. Like if you and I and other people like us were there, that would be an easy thing to do. But there are lots of squishes in the Republican pile. And uh, it's actually one of the things that concerns me about winning back the majority. I worry that Republicans think just having the majority is going to be enough. But it doesn't do us any good if 30 Republicans peel off and vote with Democrats to pass right. an amnesty bill. Yeah, no, that's exactly the problem because it rewards the earlier bad behavior and it just sets up another round of bad behavior. That's, I think, the part that gets lost in the in the uh, the many arguments. Um, you teamed up, you're, you and America for Legal, and uh, teamed up with Texas AG Ken Paxton. You're uh, fighting the catch and release codification. We're not going to let that become the norm. Tell us a little bit about how important that um, that legal action is. Yeah, it's, thanks, John. That that uh, effort with Texas is huge, it's, and it's really, really important, and it's still ongoing. Uh, 
basically the, the Biden administration issued a rule via the Department of Justice and Homeland Security. We've been calling it the alien always wins rule yep. because it was basically designed to gut expedited removal, which makes it easy to remove an alien from U.S. soil who's here illegally. You know, we give them a quick asylum review. The vast majority of them don't qualify for asylum and then they're gone. But the way this rule was written, it just creates this perpetual loop between immigration judges and the asylum officers uh, inside DHS uh, to make sure that eventually if you pass them through the machinery enough, someone's going to give them a yes. And so it's clearly the goal. Plus, it expands parole beyond what we think is legally acceptable and appropriate uh, for people who are supposed to be in expedited removal. The reality is we know historically your chances of removing someone are exponentially greater if you keep them in custody versus when you release them. In fact, our success rate is substantial when people are in custody and abysmal when they're not. And so um, that's really basically one of the things this rule is trying to do. We're suing to stop it. Um, we have not gotten a decision in this case. In fact, the, I believe the, our argument schedule is ongoing. But right now the rule is unfortunately in effect. Um, the court was not willing to grant a preliminary injunction to stop it before it started. So it actually technically is already underway. And uh, we've been hearing some rumblings about exactly what we predicted, which is that it's just going to become this – guaranteed loop until you get to yes and then the people are going to disappear so uh, we'll keep plugging away and i'll keep you posted on that one such an important uh legal action uh, in uh, texas particularly and of course america first legal are really leading the way on just important conversations important engagements with the courts and the courts have been very favorable uh to the those suing and very uh, negative to, to president biden on so many fronts because biden's arguments don't meet the legal test in almost all of these cases. I mean, the the track record of, of winning and losing in the courts is unprecedented for Joe Biden. He really is losing a lot. Um, the Early on, Joe Biden shifted the uh, the political optics, the uh, the day-to-day -day operation of taking care of the border to Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, she hardly ever shows up, so she doesn't really talk about it ever. Um, how big a liability does this become to uh, Kamala Harris's political future that this border crisis will have been on her checklist. It's this is one of those funny subjects, John, where I have mixed feelings because um, you know I think she kind of is honestly not doing a great job, like because you could easily take something that is quote unquote tasked by the president and run with it and do a great job. The problem is she's she's been put in a couple of impossible positions. One is she's not the president. I think this is something that we forget culturally. But uh, according to the Constitution, only the president has authority. The only president, the only authority the vice president has is to see if the president's still alive or not, and if not, assume the duties of the presidency. <laughs> and so, in some ways, we just we're so used to Democrat presidents, Republican presidents, you know, using their vice president as a deputy, sending them out to do X and Y. And most obviously, most vice presidents do that and do that aggressively. You know, I think Kamala Harris has probably said this president's got a terrible agenda on this issue, and I can't fix it because to fix it would be to counter his policy preferences. I mean, that's the most important point. They say Kamala Harris is supposed to fix the border. Well, first of all, she doesn't really have the authority to direct anyone in the government to do anything. But secondly, this administration's policy is a border collapse. So I don't even know how you would address it. I never thought I'd have sympathy for Vice President Harris, but I kind of do here because she doesn't have the ability to catch fix 22, it. right? Yeah. Right. She, she, she doesn't have the authority to fix it. And even if she did, she wouldn't because it's not her worldview, but also the administration wouldn't want her to fix it. So it's just a total mess, but it's not unexpected. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's, uh, it's a great analysis because I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, she has the impossible mission. She can't, un the, the fix would be to undo what the president wants to get done. And so we're caught in this perpetual cycle of failure at the border. It's really, really remarkable. Yeah, and John, it'd be nice to have a president that didn't dump authority on someone else. You know, I thought the buck stopped there, but I guess not with Uncle Joe. Yeah, you might have learned that from Barack Obama, who dumped a lot of things on Joe Biden. I think the the gift has just kept going on. <laughs> it's interesting to watch. I mean, uh, the things that President Obama wasn't, um, uh, interested in often foreign policy he gave to Biden, even though most of the people around President Obama thought Joe Biden was wrong on every foreign policy issue for 50 years. So why give him that portfolio? And now you've got Kamala Harris doing the, you know, getting the, the border crisis and uh, can't actually implement a fix that would address it because it would undercut her boss. It's quite a quite a legacy for Democrats to leave behind and leading from behind, actually. That's really what it is. Um, the caravan organizer said something interesting the other day. I think his name is Luis Garcia Villagran. And he said, uh, there's a lot of different people 
that are in this caravan, but it's predominantly from Venezuela. Why Venezuela? What what's going on there that is driving uh, these masses to our border? Uh, oh, that's a good question, John. This has been a slowly burning fire for a while. I think in, um, we we watched a few years ago as things got worse in Venezuela, worse than even than they were under Chavez. Um, and I, I think there was a oh, there were several waves of people leaving Venezuela. Uh, there was you know when it, things initially got really bad between the Chavez and Maduro years, people with a lot of money took off many years sooner. Um, they were they were long gone. Now what you're seeing is a lot more poor of the poor people in Venezuela who've been destroyed by the the communist destruction of the once prosperous Venezuelan economy. Um, now they are joining the the movement to come up here and they see an opportunity to get into the country and benefit. Um, I find this interesting, though, because actually I, I'm not 100 percent convinced um, that this is a, uh, a population that is going to be pro-liberal. I mean, ultimately, I, I view, John, what's happening in the, the intentional policy of border collapse by the Biden administration as a voter drive. Like, I think this is their way to compensate for some demographic problems that are in their future. Right. And they think if they just import a lot of poor people, they're going to do great. The problem is uh, I find it really interesting who they haven't let in. And I think they miscalculated here with Venezuelans. Now, they really what the problem is they really can't pick and choose now. Now they've created a little bit of a problem for themselves because they were encouraging a lot of people to come. And then at one point they started getting Cuban nationals. That was the only group Secretary America said, you will not come in. Well, because he knows they're fleeing communism. They're not going to vote for the communists that run the Democrat Party. Uh, the same may be true of the Venezuelans. They've seen communism up close. And so I really wonder, I wonder how that's going to work out. My concern, John, honestly, is not the Venezuelans. Again, the public, anyone who's here illegally cannot be given a benefit. I don't care if they're nice people or not. It doesn't matter. You cannot break our law. The thing that actually concerns me the most about the populations we're seeing is that but it's twofold, actually. Uh, despite all the photos of women and children, John, it's an awful lot of military-age males. Um, you see men ages 15 to 45. That should, that's, those are the people who are mostly crossing the border when the cameras are off. Right. The other thing is you're having a lot of people coming from not Central America. These are people who are coming from the Middle East and other places of the, around the world of concern. And, uh, you know, the Border Patrol agents tell us all the time, like, every, they have, basically, you have to speak Spanish to be on the Border Patrol. Um, and most of these guys are fluent, and they have conversations with everyone as they're crossing. You know, and sometimes they meet these group of guys, they'll have a conversation, they'll get three sentences in, and they'll, they'll realize these guys don't actually speak Spanish. They speak Arabic. They speak Farsi. That's terrifying. They speak Russian. They speak languages that are not local. And by the way, uh, it raises the question of these were clearly people who had the resources to get into the Americas to then walk north to pretend to be from the Americas. That means they've got resources. Well, who's paying these bills? Um, who's paying for whatever they're doing? And who's going to pay for whatever they're doing when they get here? These are serious questions that this administration just refuses to answer. Yeah, it's actually quite remarkable. It really is. And uh, they're not pressed by the news media in the uh, in the briefings to really ask the questions that are at the heart of this debate. And, and uh, they're letting the American people down by just letting that podium go unchallenged with the sort of questions that are essential for us to understand that, you know, why, why are we doing what we're doing? What's the go end goal? It's, uh, it's just fascinating. Congressman Buddy Carter went down to the border. He, I think, made two really powerful observations. We had both of them on the weekend uh, report here at Just the News. The first was that there were these stacks and pallets of uh, baby formula at the uh, migrant center. So the migrants, those who are here legally, were getting plenty of baby formula, while many Americans, 50% of them, by some estimates, were being turned away because there wasn't enough formula. And secondly, he said, once he observed the conditions of, of what these migrants who've been lured to the America through the Biden's promise are going through on the path here, the sexual assaults, the uh, uh, trafficking and gun running, the abuse, uh, the control that the cartels will own over these people for years to come. He said it was one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world. Your thoughts of how he you know, processed what he saw at the border. Uh, John, I would concur with those words, and I would go further, though. I would say uh, that it's the, the most unnecessary humanitarian crisis in human history, um, all, all engineered for the political benefit of one political party in the yeah. United States. Um, like people who were, who were stable, happy, surviving, living in other countries were induced by the president of the United States to make a journey and violate U.S. law for them to gain politically. And some of those people's lives have they've ended, or they've they're dealing with awful tragedies, 
rapes, murders, horrible things happening to children along the way. Even if they survive, they're going to be scarred for years. Um, many people don't survive. I mean, ranchers find bodies on their lands all the time, and these are people who were maybe living and working happily somewhere else and said, you know what, I'm going to come to the U.S., and they're dead now. Yeah. And th- th- this is one of those things that I think people forget. Like, we talk about immigration from a, an academic political perspective, like a top-level perspective. This is a really – there are real candid – horrible results from encouraging people to come to the United States illegally. Thousands of people have died, and the reality is the people who are responsible for this are responsible for this. They're culpable for it on some level. They may never be held legally accountable for it, although I hope that actually at the end of the day we may be able, during a future Republican administration, to hold some of these grossly negligent federal officials to account with criminal charges. I think that's really the only way you're ever going to get a situation where government is responsive again. To say, look, you can't just come in a political administration, break the law, ignore the law, engage in gross negligence, and then at the end of the administration shrug and say, sorry, I was doing my job, and then go sign a book deal. Right. You have to start putting people in federal prison for violating federal law. Um, and it's, this is not political gamesmanship. People are dead because of this policy, and maybe someday we'll get some justice for them. Such an important goal to achieve. and. Uh, it really is going to take electoral change to happen, but it seems like it may it may one day be there. Um, there's a great article on Heritage recently. It follows up on some data that we put out recently. There are 42 encounters with terrorists. One guy who actually was led into the country and had to be hurried out that was a terrorist or known terrorist. Uh, but the article said Biden's open border is an open invitation to a terrorist attack here in America. Uh, your thoughts on what Heritage said about that? I think that's very accurate, John. Uh, the, the reality is those, the number we've heard, the 42 or so, uh, those are the individuals they've encountered. By the way, if I'm not mistaken, they're not even 100% sure that those individuals have not all been released into the country. Some of them have been, perhaps. Right. Um, so it's really interesting to me that they would even point that out in some ways because they basically said, yeah, we think we encountered 42 terrorists and some of them are at large. Have a nice day. But that's not what concerns me. I mean, they are probably dangerous people, and they need to be found and addressed. But, again, there are large numbers of people who are crossing unencountered, uh, either the the quote-unquote gotaways, the individuals who are on Border Patrol's radar, but they escape detection and detention, or people we just never see, the, the unknown unknowns. And I worry, though, that we are going to see consequences for these people crossing the border. We already saw... Um, that there was uh, a bust in a potential plot to bring in, to have someone who was yeah. in, in this Assassinate mall. Assassinate George W. Bush, right? Yeah. Right, and he, he was actively working to bring others in to help him with this plot. Like, we got lucky. Like, yeah, what happens with the people we do- didn't encounter? I'm not hoping for that, John. No one is. Uh, but I worry that we're going to see something like that. And it's just unfortunate that we have to put ourselves in such a vulnerable position to bring us to the point of, of injury to other Americans to have that wake-up call, but we're here. It's it's a remarkable moment in our history to realize that we're just, um, we've allowed so much chaos that any anything of the impossible is possible now to our enemies, and, um, and uh, there doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency in Washington. Quite frankly, not even among Republicans, there isn't, in Congress at least, there's a few, obviously they're stirring up, but a lot of people don't have the urgency for the threat level that we've created for ourselves with this open border. It is it is pretty remarkable. Uh, the Mexican president snubbed Joe Biden. That doesn't happen. I can't remember a time that's happened in a long time. Won't show up at this Latin American summit, gave a talking to uh, in his own country uh, uh, to Joe Biden and the Americans. Uh, when our most important ally to the South won't even meet with us, what does that say about the state of our foreign policy? Well, it's it's a really interesting thing because he's uh, the you know, Mexican president has his work cut out from these days. Uh, he inherited basically a second a failed second world narco state, <laughs> and uh, right. you know uh, to some degree he, he may not be helping himself in some ways. But I can say, having been inside the Trump administration, been part of the group that worked with the Mexican government, they were pretty good. Uh, they were very willing to do things. It required a diplomatic lean in on our part, but we had the right people. We had a great ambassador in the form of Chris Landau, who was a wonderful guy. Um, we had a great team of people who basically said, look, uh, we're going to need this stuff from you and you're going to deliver and thank you for your help. And they did. And they were great about it. I think now they've, they've basically been given the sign um, to not accommodate and they're going to not accommodate unless they're asked. I find that the lack of uh, I find the president not accepting the invitation to be interesting. But at the same time, 
you know, it's kind of like how some of these local politicians don't want to be near Joe Biden when they're running for office. I, I suspect, um, you know, there's cultural baggage with Mexico, too. Uh, there, one, a previous Mexican president is quoted as saying Mexico is uh, so far from heaven and so close to the United States. So I suspect like it's not high on his agenda to be photographed with Joe Biden anyway. But he's also probably not that popular. And by the way, there are probably Mexican citizens who are unhappy about the constant flow of non-Mexicans flowing through the country, causing damage. I mean, some of this is where you have to also figure Mexico is suffering in some ways, too, from this. Now, the cartels are making money hand over fist. And the reason Mexico is a failed narco state is because the cartels control large swaths of the northern part of Mexico. I mean, they're, they're really, John, they're no different. Than Colombia was in the 1980s when FARC dominated large swaths of Colombian territory. It would be hard-pressed to call Colombia a sovereign country at that point in time. Uh, I think Mexico is really that way now. The northern border is controlled by the cartels. I was joking with someone the other day, like, you know, people say the border is not secure. You can say, no, the border is secure. It's secured by the cartels. Yeah. <laughs> they have total, the cartels have total operational control over the U.S.-Mexico border because it's in their financial interest to do so. So anyway, Curious to see him not attend. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on there, but it's just a reminder that this is a, there's a lot of tumult here in this region, and uh, Joe Biden's responsible for pretty much all of it. Yeah, listen, uh, the idea that the cartels have control of the border. We had uh, one of our correspondents from Real America's Voice at the border uh, on our TV show last night, and he was sitting a few feet from a tower that the cartels have built five foot from our border, to give them a 30-mile view of when the Border Patrol is not there so they can move their people across. This is literally sitting, and the Border Patrol is afraid to go near that tower because they get shot at if they go near it. Um, that's how little control we have of our border, according to our correspondent there. The cartels are so emboldened five feet from our borderline, they built a lookout, and they just look out over our country and figure out what's the best route to get our, our coyotes and our drugs and our human traffickers in. Uh, that's the difference between what Donald Trump had. That didn't exist, that tower, and what we have now. It's really remarkable, John, and uh, amazing visual to see. They're building towers. They, they actually feel they have so much control. They can build towers in our, right on our border with impunity. It's really remarkable. It's just crazy. That's the sort of thing that could never would never have been allowed to happen. Uh, I think that not only that, but you could also, this is one of the things that strikes me as really interesting. We've got literally a foreign operational assault on U.S. federal law enforcement and even state and local law enforcement, uh, you know, in a different time, this would be addressed in a different way. And I think, honestly, there are perfect, there are some people who have advocated that that should be treated as an act of war. And, you know, it's funny, we're, we're pouring an awful lot of money and energy into a war that's thousands of miles away in another country right now. Sure. Um, but we really literally actually have a war on our border. And this administration wants no part of it is pretending it's not happening. Yeah, just just remarkable. It, it's uh, unreal. You've got some other fun cases. I want to take one on that uh, caught my attention because I think this is one of the most important things to learn about. We need transparency. Uh, AFL uh, has uh, filed suit to seek records from the DOJ about the Supreme Court opinion leak. Why is that important? What do you hope to get from the Justice Department? So we are hoping that we eventually do hear from them. Uh, you know, and we have we made a point of approaching it from a, a perspective of. We don't assume they're doing anything wrong. We just want to get at the information. But Transparency, yeah. it seems unlikely that um, no one in the federal government had awareness of this leak before the story broke on that Monday. Um, it just doesn't seem likely for several reasons, one of which is we know that the Supreme Court's law enforcement apparatus was given notice because they had barriers up immediately. Right. And what we're trying we're trying to figure out basically if the Department of Justice had any awareness and tried to do anything in advance. Um, it's Stunning to me, too, in addition to that, our request is still outstanding, and we hope they comply and respond as soon as they can. Uh, but in addition to that, too, John, I want to point out that even to this day, uh, the federal government has failed, failed to enforce federal law with regard to the people who are trying to intimidate justices at their homes right now. Um, you know, and the, I will say this, too. Uh, the federal government has a role. Uh, Merrick Garland is a, is a failed attorney general, but he is not prosecuting crimes. I would love to see uh, Governors Hogan and Youngkin step up and send their respective state police forces to defend these homes of these Supreme Court justices. Uh, there's been an awful lot of flailing, asking the federal government to comply and help, and that's not going to happen. It's kind of a fool's errand. Uh, it would be great to see the two governors actually send their state police saying, we will defend these justices. We're not waiting for the feds anymore. And the feds have, by the way, the one thing the feds can do the states can't is the feds have a statute that would allow them to prosecute these protesters 
not because they're exercising their First Amendment rights, but because they are at the homes of justices trying to intimidate a decision. There is a specific federal statute on the books that is there to prevent this exact thing from happening. And the Democrats and the administration are just allowing it to happen because they want it to happen. They're hoping they can scare one of these Republican justices into reversing their opinion. John, I don't know if you saw that they arrested a, a man from California today outside of yes. uh, Justice Kavanaugh's home in Maryland. Very frightening. Uh, and I think, a I man think who had made threats really against the justice several times before. Right. So, like, it's not funny. It never was funny, but it's even less funny today. And uh, everyone really needs to step up. All these people want power, but you have responsibility with that power as well. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that's it. Last one, because we've done a lot of work on this. There is a massive, nearly billion-dollar-a-year enterprise, uh, a government-run news media operation. It gives us PBS um, and NPR and Voice of America and Radio Free Cuba and all of those. Uh, You look at this, and uh, we did a, a series of investigative reports based on a law firm report based on some work that Michael Pack, the, the Trump leader of the global media empire, uh, found. And uh, the people who are most cited there are back in power. You have a lot of concerns with Amanda Bennett, the woman who's been named to run this global media empire for President Joe Biden. Tell us what concerns you about her taking control of the you know the most important bullhorn, news media bullhorn that the media uh, that the government runs today. Yeah, John, thank you. So she, uh, Amanda Bennett, is, is, is this, I just have to emphasize that this is not anything that's personal. This is not based on any even ideological differences. Your audience needs to know that Amanda Bennett is a walking, breathing national security vulnerability. Uh, I had the privilege of working with Michael Pack, the former CEO of uh, U.S. Agency for Global Media, when President Trump was in office. And he and his team did yeoman's work on covering a lot of problems. I mean, we couldn't even cover this in an hour, all the nonsense that they had. Uh, that they had to deal with and what they discovered. The main thing they discovered was that while Amanda Bennett was running Voice of America, um, she had a role in a lot of bad things. She was basically supervising a lot of hiring, but the reality is during that entire time, she was letting people get hired without security clearances. She was working with John Lansing, the former CEO, to just get people in regardless of whether or not they were fit to be there. The reality is USAGM is probably stocked with spies from foreign governments right now because of that security failure. Uh, They were misusing J-1 visas to bring in foreign nationals to work in journalism for the United States. That's a totally illegal use of the J-1 visa, which is supposed to be a low-level exchange visa. Um, She was very uh, willing to suppress dissidents. She fired the head of the Mandarin service in 2017 for daring to have a a prominent dissident on on a live interview on VOA's Mandarin service. Amanda Bennett claimed that was uh, an ethical breach to have like a dissident communicate when basically what probably happened is that she has a lot of ties to the Chinese and the Chinese government. And they reached out and said, we prefer you not do this. And then they squashed the, the um, Sasha Gong, who was the head of the service at the time, and some of her employees. Um, meanwhile, she, she is perfectly fine having someone run the Persian news service who's basically lied about her resume and misused resources. She brought her back immediately upon taking uh, upon the. Uh, um, you know, just rather she was brought back and she's going to keep her on unless someone brings this up. Um, lots of bad things have happened on her watch. She's just not fit to run an agency like that. And there are tons of unanswered questions about her service. Unfortunately, most of the Republicans on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, including the ranking member Jim Risch, seem really uninterested in doing their jobs. But more questions need to be asked. More information needs to be provided by, provided by her to these senators before uh, she can be considered. Because I think really you're basically installing of national security problem into an agency, and she's just going to make the problem worse if she's allowed to have this position. Yeah, and there's a lot of people concerned about it. Obviously, she has a distinguished career in journalism, but the way this Voice of America was run during the time and what we saw when we read the reports, the, the, the lack of concern about national security. And, you know, I didn't realize this until I did the report. Uh, these reporters and executives in uh, these journalism organizations get a security clearance because they work for the United States government. We in journalism don't get those, right? But that security clearance gives them access. And it seemed like, as as the report warned, uh, a, a could be a very soft backdoor for someone to con- commit spying. And that, I think, is what had a lot of people concerned. And no one in the Biden administration is addressing those concerns. They've just swept them under the rug and, and moved on. Really remarkable. Uh, John, how do folks keep in touch with all the great things that you're doing at America First Legal? 
Well, thanks, John. If anyone wants to come see what we're doing, we've got a lot of fun stuff in the works over the next few weeks, and we've had a lot of lawsuits out there with working with state attorneys general and other groups and other individuals. Yeah. Come check us out at uh, aflegal.org. That's applefranklegal.org, and, uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, important stuff. We, we keep an eye on a lot of these, and uh, these are important uh, strikes at keeping our constitutional republic safe and also in keeping transparency to our government. Really important things. John, always an honor to have you on. Thanks for spending time with us today. Same here, John. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a great, play, great pleasure. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Bernie Carrick. Thank you to John Zadrozny. Two really great public servants, two people who really understand how things work and why they work. And I think that that is an important uh, part of the process. We're going to tell you why that is so important in just a few days. All right, now, to get started, before we, we wrap up for the day, I always like to give you one of our special offers from our partners. We have so many of them. This is a new partner. Someone has joined us recently, Nugenics. I want to welcome them to the Just the News family and the John Solomon Reports family. And listen, I'm getting to this age where this matters, right? So if you want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of getting older, I'm getting older. You see me on television. You know I'm older. Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with testosterone will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. This is important, right? Your body deprives itself of testosterone as you get older. This is a way to get your mojo back, to get your energy back, to give you motivation to get to the gym and work out, right? And look better. You know, that's so important. Eugenics Total Tea contains man-boosting key ingredients like testosterone. It has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men because Nugenics Total Tea boosts free testosterone that the aging process robs you of. You're going to feel stronger, leaner, with more energy and drive. I believe that. That's important. And more passion, too. You know what I'm talking about, guys. Your partner will notice a difference. Nugenics Total Tea is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text the word Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N, to 231-231. That's easy to remember, 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast. That's a good deal, right? You're going to get in shape, get that energy up, get the tea levels up. This is the way to do it. I'm so grateful that Nugenics is making this special offer to all of us guys here. Here, you're going to get that bottle absolutely free. How do you do that? You're going to text Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N, to 231-231. One more time. Text Solomon to 231-231. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our amazing partners. We have so many of them. I believe in them. They're offering enormous discounts, free gifts, all sorts of things to make your life better so that you can enjoy their services, their products, which, by the way, are best in class all around. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, if you need a news fix, you know where to go, justthenews.com. We've got you covered 24-7. God bless you. God bless this great country. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, 
you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.